Good morning, it's Drinda, the honest reviewer, coming to you from Wood Library in beautiful downtown Canandaigua. The title of this podcast, Miscellany of Books, is just that, some of my random ideas about books, publishing, and authors, or in other words, a miscellany. Miscellany is defined as a group or collection of different items, a mixture. Synonyms are melange, blend, variety, assortment. If you are a lover of popular music, you will be familiar with the term one-hit wonders. I have adapted that to books and authors who are one-book wonders. I'm sure everyone is familiar with the name Margaret Mitchell, the author who wrote Gone with the Wind. That apparently was the only book she had in her, despite its huge success and eventual blockbuster movie whose popularity has endured for decades. Another one-hit wonder, until just recently, is Harper Lee, who wrote the best-selling and long-enduring To Kill a Mockingbird. This book is still being read by high school students today, including my own grandson. After Lee's death in 2016, a manuscript was found set in the same location and with the same characters as her Mockingbird book, a sequel. Imagine that. The book, set 10 years after the first, is called Go Set a Watchman. Another successful author, John Barrent, who wrote In the Garden of Good and Evil about a murder in Savannah, mentioned in another podcast, has never written another thing, to my knowledge. That brings me to another male author, Arthur Golden, who wrote Memoirs of a Geisha, an unforgettable love story I truly enjoyed. I rarely read romances or love stories, but this was an exception because of its uniqueness. As one book review said, this brilliant debut novel tells with seamless authenticity and exquisite lyricism the true confessions of one of Japan's most celebrated geishas. For years, I looked for his names in lists of recently published books to no avail. Arthur, where are you? Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens was the favorite of many book clubs and deservedly so. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for nearly, nearly two years and was made into a very true-to-the-story movie. My daughter and I saw it after reading the book and thoroughly enjoyed it. This may be kind of a cop-out because she had written two nonfiction books with her husband, Mark, about Africa. Forgive me. M.L. Stedman wrote The Light Between Oceans in 2013 and nothing since, at least nothing I can find. It was a years-long bestseller and major motion picture. It is an intriguing story about a lighthouse keeper in Australia it is suspenseful, but I will stop there and not ruin it for you if you decide to pick it up. Catherine Stockett wrote The Help in 2011, another New York Times bestseller made into an Academy Award-winning film. The story takes place in 1962 in Mississippi and is an unforgettable story of white housewives and their black help. An uncomfortable story in 1923, but true to events of that era, which I remember, I had southern grandparents and aunts and uncles in Kentucky and Tennessee, whom we visited every summer. As a northern child, I remembered seeing signs forbidding blacks from using restrooms and water fountains. I also remember the civil rights uprisings from that era being in high school at the time. When I went to RIT in 1965, that city was just healing from the race riots of the prior summer. Just imagine. My daughter and I spent a week in Charleston in April taking four guided tours. In each and every one, the question of slavery was raised as a statement of fact, of history. At the end of each discussion, the tour guide lamented the history 
in Charleston, Charleston's part in it, but reiterated that it helped to shape the city. Carolina gold or yellow rice was the crop that needed the slave workforce. Donna Wolf Folk Cross wrote Pope Joan in 2009, in spite of my misgiving about reading this book for book club that year, I remember being intrigued by her story. Again, this book was a bestseller and a Hollywood movie. Pope Joan was the ninth century woman who disguised herself as a man and rose to become the only female ever to sit on the throne of St. Peter. If anyone knows of subsequent books by these authors, please don't hesitate to tell me. Another category I'd like to explore is what I call the also-rans. This differs slightly from one-hit wonders in that these authors have written more than one book, but not necessarily successfully. Leanne Moriarty wrote Big Little Lies, which was a runaway bestseller, later made into a TV miniseries. She has gone on to write six more novels, but none have achieved the acclaim of the first. Her latest, Apples Never Fall, was one I never even attempted to read, having been disappointed by others in the past. I loved the mystery thriller, The Thirteenth Tale by Diane Setterfield. Well written, suspenseful, and entertaining, but her next two, Bellman in Black and Once Upon a River, failed to achieve the suspense and riveting plot of the first. An interesting phenomenon in publishing is a trend that has seen an uptick recently, which I called pairings, or the co-writing of two or more authors on one book. It is not necessarily new, but becoming more and more popular. Here are a few of the most notable that I have read recently. Mary Higgins Clark, well-known queen of suspense, and Ella Fair Burke, daughter of James Lee Burke, another writer of detective novels, collaborated on at least five novels before Clark's recent death. I enjoy both authors, having read standalone standalone novels by both, as well as their recent teeming successes. I do not care for James Patterson, even though I have read and enjoyed his early Alex Cross novels. But surprisingly, I read and enjoyed the two recent novels he co-wrote with former President Bill Clinton. They both have a presidential theme, the president's daughter and the president is missing. One quick note, James Patterson currently has a rotating list of co-writers who produce about one book a week. I also read an article about him and his $17 million Palm Beach home, which he was totally renovating. Really? A similar pairing is the one between former First Lady Hillary Clinton and a favorite mystery writer of mine, Louise Penny. <clears throat> the book State of Terror is touted as a political thriller. Some more logical pairings occur between family members. These are often seen after the death of the original author, but sometimes they are live pairings. When Tony Hillerman passed away, his series about Joe Leaphorn, chief of the Navajo police force, was taken over by his daughter, Anne. While I read the originals by Tony, I must admit I haven't read any of that series in some time. Another familiar collaboration was that of Dick Francis and his son, Felix. I started reading Dick Francis about the time the BBC had a wonderful PBS mystery series called the Dick Francis Mysteries about a steeplechase racetrack and its jockeys, trainers, owners, etc. I was sold after the first episode. They wrote collaboratively until Dick's death. Felix continued writing for at least a dozen more. Definitely not familial is the collaboration between Beatrice Williams, Karen White, and Lauren Willig who call themselves the three W's. 
I've not read any, read any of Willig's books, but I haven't read and enjoyed everything ever written by the other two. I don't know if their books fall into any one category, but they are very readable. The final section of my miscellany book podcast, Book Recommendation Sources, is just the tip of the iceberg. When you ask yourself, I need a book, how can I find something I like? Who can I ask for help? Or where do I look for a good book online? I am a librarian who recommends patrons to books, books to patrons on a daily basis, as do all of the other librarians at Wood Library. It's one of my favorite things. There are book reviews in the New York Times Book Review Magazine and a bestseller list on Sundays in the Times. Many celebrities have begun reading and suggesting titles to their fans, Oprah, Reese Witherspoon, The Panel on The View, and Hoda and Jenna on The Today Show. These are important enough to booksellers that Barnes & Noble often has a table dedicated to those books, such as a Reese table. I don't always agree with the choices, but to each his own. The members of my book club, to which I have belonged for over 30 years, are always keeping us interested with their monthly choices. I just recently reviewed lists from about 20 years ago for ideas for this podcast. Barnes & Noble in Pittsburgh has 10 or more shelves dedicated to staff recommendations, both fiction and nonfiction. Who better? I have a brother in Florida and a longtime friend in California who are readers, so we are always asking each other, what are you reading? When one of our longtime book members, book club members moved to Rhode Island, I kept her in the book club emails, so she is getting our annual list. I asked her one day to send us the list from her Rhode Island book club, hoping to find an author or book new and interesting. There are many online recommendations and review sites, but I like fantastic fiction, sorry, nonfiction readers, because of the breakdown of categories, new authors, literary fiction, romance, thrillers, science fiction, fantasy, horror, young adult fiction, historical, and more. The site is probably updated on a daily basis. Give it a minute or two of your time. As a longtime employee of Wood Library, I often tell patrons I get as much as I give. In other words, I recommend titles, authors, series to patrons, but I often get the same back. One woman told me recently that an author I've enjoyed in the past, Catherine Grissom, has a new book out called Crow Mary. I didn't know that at the time, but I've since read it. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and will like and subscribe to my channel.